0: All right, happy Friday, everyone. We are back with another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we are exploring the landscape of learning technology. Although we're going outside the traditional learning technology a little bit today, um, while cutting through the fluff and getting your questions answered. And today I am joined by Kelly Stephen Ways. I got it right, right? I did not you got forget. It right. I know I did. I did. And we are talking about hitch and what that means for this whole skill journey that we've been on that so many of us have been on and what that looks like. So I'm looking forward to jumping into that, having that conversation. But before we get started, we have to we have to make this engaging and fun to get things kicked off. So, Kelly, for you, I'm I'm in my usual spot where I always am in Waukesha, Wisconsin. But uh, why don't you tell everybody where you are? And for those of you who are just joining live, go ahead and let's get the comments rolling. Let us know where you're joining from as well. But how about you, Kelly?
1: So I am in the heart of the Silicon Valley, Chris. Uh, I am uh, in Los Gatos, the Valley of the Cats. The Cats. Um, I know, which is (laughs) awesome because I was a wildcat. So I went to University of Arizona. So I am totally in the right place
0: okay all right
1: <laughs> that's, all. that's what i tell my oh, kids yeah. i moved here all because of that right
0: that, that you tell them that that was the reason that you, you chose that location yeah. out of everything okay then Makes they
1: asked why well, i don't right. have a cat and i said well you know i have dogs
0: okay you're a dog person all right. Well, so look at this we're getting into icebreaker questions that are way off script already and we're only a minute and 59 <laughs> seconds in so now we know Kelly is a dog person. She has dogs, not cats, even though she lives in the Valley. <laughs> that's right, and she's that's a wild right. cat. We know so much more about you now than we did um, before. All right, so then question completely unrelated in addition to all that background on you, Kelly. And I'm, I'm very interested to hear where you go with this one. But, and everybody watching, you can play along as well. This is gonna be a little bit of a knowledge sharing in addition to an icebreaker. But for you, Kelly, what is one of your favorite productivity apps? And as you know, I was very generous in how we defined productivity, so I will give you that flexibility.
1: Yes, I know I sound much more interesting if it if it was about meditation. <laughs> Everybody that knows. Well, me we knows also joked that it could about, have
0: been like a kids' app, right? Something that makes us more productive by distracting children.
1: Yeah, except all the only thing my children ask me for is the credit card. So uh, that, that would have to be Apple Pay or something. Please fill Apple Pay or okay. Venmo. Um, it, for me, it's about WhatsApp, uh, but, uh, what's you know, that? for communication. But I would say Airtable is yeah, one of yeah. my waves And I have a coach. And what's very cool about the communication with my coach is that when I'm just thinking about, oh, I want I want her to see this document. I could just upload it. Or if I get a thought that I I want I don't want to forget to cut because I only talk to her once a week. Um, okay. I can upload it to Airtable. So uh, I really oh, like yeah. that app.
0: See, for some reason, the name of the app Airtable. I'm thinking like when you go out to eat, you book it, but it's not that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, although eating outside in the new COVID era could be the Airtable you get. I
0: know what that's well, That's what I'm like. Airtable, you're booking a table no. online. Okay, yeah. I guess.
1: You know. Very cool. It's it's uh, allows you to have real time. Uh, you know, up, upload docs uh, as you're thinking of it, take okay. notes, um, just share. It's kind of like Slack, uh, but it's it's new. Check it out.
0: So, OK, see, I, really I like, told I, I you something about account. PowerPoint earlier, and now I'm going to have to check out Airtable after yeah. this. OK, so mine. I I use tons of apps because I'm all about efficiency. But I I thought about this, and I have the upper hand because I think about these questions before the show. So I I have time. So the the ones that I couldn't do without, at least the the biggest one that immediately came to mind was Calendly. I could Uh, not
1: function without
0: Calendly, just the, the automation of that. The only funny thing, this only happened once, but I had one person who got really huffy that I asked them to schedule the time. Right, we were trying to coordinate time, and they were very like, "What you want me to go look at your calendar?" I'm like, well, this makes it easy because then you just look at your schedule. <laughs> they were very. I'm like, we can get admins involved if that. I don't want you know.
1: on your calendar. So yeah, uh, I'm like,
0: wow, okay, but for the most part, people love that. So that that was the other one, and then the other one that I was recently introduced to, um, Nicole Papiano taught me this one, ClickUp. Right, I don't know if you're familiar with this. No. But it's like a productivity project management, but not traditional project management. Pretty slick uh, for collaborative cool. stuff. So anyway, we've got Airtable, ClickUp, Calendly. I could probably list off a bunch of other ones, but we won't. We won't do that because we'll end up just talking about that all day. So let's let's shift gears a little bit, a little bit, a lot bit, and let's talk more about Hitch and. First of all, let's get into you know you came from Hear Technologies and now you're running Hitch. So what what's the story behind that for those who may not be familiar with it?
1: Yeah. So one of the things when when I was um, a chro, I I was doing a lot of work um, in in the future of work. So I was very interested in that space. Um, I participated in a couple of things like uh, Create with a HR, spelling it, uh, create with HR, um, and it was a group of 30 plus CHROs that really wanted to reimagine the function um, and a- adapt, right? We, we felt like maybe we were going to become irrelevant if we didn't start disrupting ourselves <laughs> and thinking differently. So um, we were quite progressive, but we got together and we kind of hacked a lot of different topics and... It really uh, uh, stimulated my thinking about w- what pain points was I seeing as a chro that, in the future of work, uh, we if we integrated sort of point of view and and utilized technology, we could do things differently. And one of the pain points was, uh, something that I personally experienced was being stuck in my job, like feeling uh-huh. like I was in a box, Yeah, you're trapped. You know, you're trapped i mean then i remember the exercise write your job description and i'm i i'm thinking oh god i don't do anything that this job description says that i do i do so much more and i do a lot of things that are invisible to people like all the work with the board that i do but but i was thinking probably a lot of people feel the way I do because I can see it in the engagement scores and yep. learning was broken. No one ever, no managers wanted to send their people to training. So I started whiteboarding late at night after work. I started whiteboarding this idea, actually took a picture of it, which is super cool, um, especially if when you're work. I, I have that photograph. Um, and uh, so I thought about, you know i think more companies could use this when i left extreme networks and i went to um hear technologies i actually pitched the ceo on this idea about how a talent mobility solution could stand up his agile transformation how it could like really evolve the company and so he liked the idea and he he let me go build a poc so in february of 2017 we um you know, piloted this solution, we had people inside the company borrowed time so that we were living what we were building, actually build this POC, then we delivered it in the middle of June to uh, of 2017 to the enterprise, which was almost 10,000 people. And it was a huge success. In fact, without even uh, full adoption in the first year, uh, we saved, you know hundred and eleven uh, 111 FTE. And we were growing wow. our engagement scores in the right direction. So it was really changing the way we were working. And it was all talent so like, sharing. It, it was
0: like a mad scientist idea a little bit, right? Like you, you just brainstormed this thing up and said, you know what, I, I think we can do better. And then here, here said, yeah, let's, let's try this. And you, <laughs> you don't have a, you don't have a software background though, right? Like no, that was part no. of the pitch. <laughs> you're not a, you're not a coder on the side.
1: No, I am definitely not. Ask any of my people, right? I'm I'm still learning engineering language. So, yes, I'm I'm coming through that learning curve. I think what it did teach me though is that what you, what products really are, technology is just solving pain points, yeah. right? And it's delivering it in a digital way. So, even though I can't speak digital and I don't code, Um, In my mind, if I could describe what it is, what is the problem I'm solving, what do I believe could be solved with technology, and then I can communicate that to engineers and product uh, uh, leaders, they can help build what, what my vision was. And that's exactly what happened when I got on stage in June of 2016 in front of 350 senior leaders and said, hey, we want agile transformation if we could build something like this yeah. would you come right would you come and 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 participate and people would like at the end of my presentation i'm like you know are you in and they all stood up and said yes and then some people from the audience approached me later and said hey i want to build that
0: so you It's a really good point. And I think one of the things you're you're hitting on is something that I think anybody in our field could take. Well, there's actually two things that stood out about what you're talking about there. First of all, one, that question comes up a lot of in this new digital age, does everybody in our field need to become a technologist? Do we need to know how to code? Do we need to do all this other stuff? And I agree that I don't think I don't think you have to go that far. You need to understand kind of what the problems are. You have a little bit of an understanding of how the technology can work, but you don't have to go all the way into it as long as you're able to articulate, hey, this is kind of what you did, right? This is what we're yeah. trying to do. These are the problems I'm trying to solve. And I think what's interesting about, about your you know conversation on stage that everybody cheered for was the fact you didn't talk about it in HR language, right? You, you no, weren't saying, no. hey, we want to build... You know talent and culture it was it was we're trying to do an agile transformation and i think that's something that makes it very tangible and realistic for people to say of course i do right of course i want to get behind that
1: yeah that's very important and and you know we were lucky that we got to innovate something from the inside that was a tool for us right so we got yeah. to learn a lot about that, and <clears throat> we got to test it out. I think, you know, not every tool can then, there's a, there's a chat, a, you, you cross a chasm, right? Between what is a tool and what becomes a commercial product. So, yeah. you know, a tool can be created to be customized for one context, one one set of issues. But <clears throat> what we realized is that, hey, This set of issues, this problem statement that we attacked uh, and tested is the problem statement for many other companies. And when I was out talking on the future of work and showing, hey, this is what we were able to accomplish, there was a lot of people in the audience that were raising their hands and saying, wait a minute, I don't see anything in the market like that. Can I buy it? And then you go, wow, we should really commercialize this. And that becomes another learning curve for someone like me is how do you not only, how do you build a tool for inside the four walls of an organization, but then how do you actually commercialize a product? How do you uh, build something that has enough standard capability to take to market? And what does that process look like? Um, And that was another curve to take. And then how do you market it and sell it and right, and yeah. build a team around it? And so it was a great uh, ride for me, uh, a great it's, story. It's been on of- your
0: own transformation experience in and of itself, right? Like, I mean, this yeah. has been quite the transformation experience for your own personal development.
1: That's right. That's right. I think, you know, one of the things that was the was really inspiring, I think, for other people and and even for myself, because I went through a journey of what am I capable of doing yeah. by putting by being a good talent architect and putting people around you, is that innovation can come from anywhere in an organization. And i'm I think that nobody would expect that h r would would code or build a tool, right? I mean, right. Uh, that was just not. That's just not something anyone would expect. And when I ended up being the chief innovation officer of the company um, and owning innovation enablement, uh, you know, I really felt like it it was a great platform to be able to say, hey, any of you can have great ideas that you can bring forward, no matter where you sit in the organization, right? Mm -hmm. And I have this great book on my shelf uh, called what do you do with an idea? Right. Uh, which is a children's book. And I remember doing a keynote at here technologies and I read that book. Uh, That's probably for kindergartners (laughs) (laughs) to the entire audience. Um, but at the end it says, what do you do with a great idea? You change the world. Right. And it's, although it's meant as a message for children, that message is just as relevant for us because yeah. no matter where you sit in the organization, no matter what your functional—and of course, this is what I'll get into what this means for Hitch—but yeah. you know, you can innovate, right? You can have a great idea.
0: I love that, and I think it's a, it's it's an it's an awesome story just because of that very thing. And I think this is what organizations need, especially right now and you know a lot of times people we paint ourselves into our own boxes right we go well i'm i'm this and this is what my role is and this is what i'm supposed to do it's like says who says who right you can you can do anything anymore so i i love the story um and and i love you know let's let's transition it into Hitch itself Mm -hmm. because i think the problem you brought up you know and and the story of how you went from hey we have this idea it's a tool we're going to use here. Oh, that started to expand. Looks like this really solves some serious problems organization. Oh, wow. There's actually a big need in the market. So that journey that's been on really gets at the core of what you talked about before, which is the workforce, many of the workforce, all levels, a lot of times are struggling to know what do I do with my skills and my talents and how, what skills and talents do I need to grow in? Which ones do I not? How do I make sure I'm making smart investments and that, what I'm doing is, you know, relevant to the future. So when that problem kind of came to light, and you said, we're going to solve for it, then how does Hitch, you know, if you were to say, so what is Hitch? And how does it address that problem? How does it?
1: So one of the things that uh, the that is staring right in front of us. sometimes innovation comes from things that are right in front of us is that Many, many organizations are sitting on talent gold, right? It's the, the, there's gold right underneath you, right? And what do we know about gold? It's rare, it's precious, it's valuable, it's hard to see with the naked eye, right? Yeah. Um, we have to have a way to mine that gold in an organization. So it, if it's not visible to us, how can we expose it? And gold I liken to skills, right? Okay. So if we can expose that gold that we're sitting on, which is, we don't need to go buy it on the open market. We're sitting on the gold mines. We're just not tapping into it, right? So if yeah. we can expose it and we can leverage technology to expose it, we can match that to work. And so I don't I don't know, um, I don't think that prior to the technology of course of hitch and and some of these internal talent mobility solutions that we have today that we were really exposing skills. I think that we knew the titles of people but in order to to really match people to units of work where they can be leveraged in what I call broad contribution, progression versus promotion, right? How do they progress? We have to see those skills and I don't know if you want to light this up, uh, Christopher, but, you know, I talked, I talked at at LeapTech about this, but, you know, the, the fact that, you know, skills are the common denominator. So what we're essentially doing with Hitch is we're enabling this inside gig. Um, and we're, we're doing that by, you know, a a lot of us were focused on the external outside gig, uh, right. Um, But we don't want to lose people the outside. We need to create a marketplace on the inside where we expose people's skills in their profiles, which is, of course, hitches on one side profiles, Uh, the marketplace for project-based work and full-time opportunities where we, we, we make all the work transparent, and then the dashboards by which we visualize what I refer to as the skills supply chain, So I said, skills are the gold, right? So we want to bring the gold to the surface. We want to visualize that, you know, what skills are in highest demand and what skills are, uh, um, uh, what does our supply look like? Because if we can manage that talent asset, that gold in our organization well, we have competitive advantage, we're giving people great experience. And last but not least, the holy grail is the vector between getting the work done that the company needs to get done, so executing strategy, and between what the, where the employee can contribute the greatest and have the most productivity. And so that's essentially what I talk about, even in my book, is how do we create the inside gig, and how do we create you know create an environment where it expose all of these skills.
0: Okay. Well, I think a lot of people in the industry, right, are familiar with the gig economy where we're talking about, right, people are freelancing, they're doing these things, they're, they're finding these opportunities out here, and they're going out and doing it. This is essentially recreating that and making it feasible internally, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, because um, it's the same concept. You know, if you were to go on Upwork and participate in Upwork and, you know, market yourself uh, for gigs that you would get on the outside. Um, this essentially is a way to market yourself inside an organization. Um, the, the notion that we are only the job that we're doing today is really a misnomer. If you, if you just, if people just looked at me as a CHRO, um, they'd probably make assumptions, right? Oh, she knows comp, she knows benefits, she knows training and LD, L- L&D, but she probably doesn't know like other things. And if you look in my background and, and then further into skills, I had run marketing, I'd done corporate communications, I had started a retail company, I would worked in a retail industry, had done merchandising and operations. Like nobody would ever know that by the virtue right. of the job I'm in. However, a platform like Hitch would expose because you could search by skills, et cetera, would might pull me up for a marketing campaign or an advertising campaign and say, hey, yeah. Kelly, these skills.
0: Well, the thing with it, and so there, there's two parts that I'll hit on. And actually, Vinod asked a really good question, so I'm going to dig into that too. But I think right, we've operated historically off of. You talked about it before. We've had we've had the job descriptions, which tell part of a story, but not even I would say a very good story. Sometimes of what the job really is, and then you have people's CVs, which kind of maybe tell you a little bit about what, what they know or what they do, but it doesn't really, I think what you're talking about is take it down to the granular level of, okay, they did these things. They were in these jobs, but what did they really do and what skills did it require? Because a lot of that stuff's transferable. Oh, you're in HR. Well, you're in HR, but you probably did the same, many of the same things, our marketing teams or our finance teams that you manage, right? All these other things that don't necessarily come to the surface. And I think that's an important point to that's highlight great. that that's that whole, right? You're sitting on top of gold. Well, it's because historically we've just looked at, well, we have this, 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 and this without really seeing everything underneath. The gold's been that's hidden right. in the in the carbon or whatever.
1: Well, we always talk about jobs. We have, we have been so focused right. on jobs and jobs by themselves are a box, right? Yeah. There's stuff we put in the box, and everything outside the box doesn't fit, right? So, um, what we're trying to do is break it down to a common denominator, and I have a great slide in that deck you you had that that shows a math problem, and it says we're solving for x, right? So. It, it 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 the common denominator of work
0: Here we go. Is
1: skills right skills are what we're solving for
0: skills x i was a former math right? teacher i get this
1: okay so you <laughs> get it so we're solving for x and if we can solve for x if there's an infinite number of additional opportunities for people then if we just make an assumption Right about around jobs because jobs by them by their very nature are 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 ring fenced, and so once we go to skills as that currency that common denominator, there are more opportunities for an individual to be matched to uh, different projects, different full time roles, and not to mention an internal ecosystem where we're really trying to build culture and no more kind of give to the whole person, right? Let them bring their best selves to work. I was just in a conference this week where the chief diversity officer of Workday, Karen Taylor said, we don't want them to bring their whole selves, but we want them to bring their best selves. And your best self is a combination of everything you've done and everything you're interested in learning. And so let's get to that because it's not just what you can do now in a modern enterprise, if we know what your motivations are to learn, we can actually match you to learning opportunities too. And since learning needs to be in the flow of work, right? We can match you like, you know, the old days they had apprentices, right? Yep. It's just yep. digitizing the apprentice format, right? And letting you shadow and draft behind somebody who has an expertise because there isn't time to go learn, learn a different way. And, and I also, uh, Chris, I have the story about my dad, who was a sound editor. Yeah. And um, the fact that in a 30-year career, my father had to go from splicing film to digital sound. Well, that process today would be three years.
0: Yeah. It wouldn't, you, you, yeah, your skills no longer have a 30-year shelf life. They just don't.
1: No, not not today. We, we have to the muscle to be developed today in learning is to learn, unlearn and relearn. So yep. the, the the people that will do the best in this modern way of working and, and participate in the inside gigs, etc, is how well they learn something new, they can unravel an old paradigm, and they can learn again and yeah. they're because they will have this portfolio of a career where it's a bunch of these gigs put together right they're going to learn new skills and they're going to have to unlearn the things that don't help them in the future so it's actually no, it's a
0: learning- world. I love that you bring up the unlearning one because i feel like that's one that often gets glossed over right and and yeah. to me that is a critical variable in being successful in this new, in, in this new world. Because the reality is if you don't learn how to unlearn things, it makes it even harder for you to new learn new things because you're still stuck in this, like, well, but I'm trying to figure out how to do it the way we did it before. And and that's you're, like holding me back versus saying, no, take, take the principles of it, the foundation of it, but then dump it. Right. You got to dump right. it and move because it's now well, we're over
1: here. Yourself, right. You right. have to, yourself. So we, we all have to, the unlearning process is about disrupting uh, what you used to know and, and being able to unravel it to learn, to open yourself up to learn something yeah. new. And yeah. everybody, I'll just take HR as a discipline. Uh, I think that part of the frustration in human resources has been that we I'll use performance management because every HR person goes, oh, Oh. when we talk about performance management, because, you know, you you know, this because you have five kids. Okay, so (laughs) toddler, you know, Fisher Price has this great toy, and it's a yellow box. And it's got all these shapes. And it has the, the hard uh, uh, three dimensional shapes that, that get pushed into the, you oh, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I know. The little, we've right? got a bunch of these things, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: So it teaches them hand eye coordination, all this. And you watch a toddler put a triangle in a square and they start shoving it in and they can't get it in, of course. And they throw that toy like in the first five minutes because <laughs> they're getting frustrated. Yeah. In HR, we're taking the triangle and we're shoving it into the square and we're getting really really frustrated and we're trying to reinvent performance management at every 6 months. But the truth yeah. is that we need to bomb the whole thing and start over. We need to unlearn a lot of a lot of the assumptions that we've built HR process on have to break. So in my view, we are going to move, if you're going to move towards this inside gig concept, you also have to be willing and you meet a company where they are, but you have to envision how to unlearn some things. Like we're going to go to team-based rewards. We're not going to be on individual rewards because Agile is going to be all about this dynamic teaming well, that's team. going to go on, right?
0: Yep. we, can't incentivize- we want to see.
1: Exactly. Uh, Skills-based pay, gamified recognition, crowdsourced performance review. When you say this, it's like, oh, gosh, we have to break a lot (laughs) of stuff, right? It it panics people. And we're not going to break it all at one time. But we need to be willing to to break it over time so that we don't keep shoving the triangle in the square.
0: Yeah. I call it, my, my word for it is reimagine, right? let right? Because for so long, we've just iterated on top of things. And, and an analogy that I see is, right, you look at like a landfill. If you just keep, if you leave all the garbage and you just keep dumping more garbage and you're trying to build on top of it, it doesn't work versus it's like, you got to clean that stuff out and say, That's let's start right. fresh. Like, let's start fresh. And my question is always, what would we do if we could do anything? Because the same thing happens in learning and development. We're constantly trying to iterate on things. I like the the little tykes analogy, right? We're, we're trying to jam the yellow toy in the square hole. And it's like, stop doing that. It's mm-hmm. not even like, let's just throw the whole toy out and figure out what can we do with this triangle that we're trying to solve? Because who says we even have to put it in the little orb anymore? Maybe we do something completely different with it. Yeah. So, and that's
1: why it's human centered design. So design thinking that, that we've applied for for decades to product development. And we call it human centered design, but we never took design thinking into HR, right. Right. And I'll tell you when my team at here technologies started to incorporate design thinking in everything. So user based design, you know, where we're instead of HR, when I you know, because I've had a long career when when I was in L&D way back in the day, we would go off into our cave, we design this perfect thing, and then we'd unveil it for corporate, right? Ah. And And they're they're all sitting there going, this isn't gonna help me, okay, Uh, you know? And now what we do, at, at least what my team was doing in my last iteration as a CHRO was, Let's ask the questions. Let's figure out what problem we're trying to solve. Let's let people try this on. Okay, that didn't work. Let's tweak it. Let's, and, and that m- made sure that whatever we were delivering was actually going to create ex- a, a shared value. Value yeah. for the company, value for the individual. And it was such a different way of thinking, but it, was, it made our programs and My processes yeah. better. Yeah. That's yeah, the thing.
0: it's right for if you're unfamiliar with this kind of way of approaching things, and, and again, there's so many transferable things, right? It's, it's not just a oh, HR thing or a learning thing. It's like this works anywhere. And a lot of times it can feel scary, like, oh, this is just so different. And think, but it's like, it's actually easier. And you get a better outcome because you're actually solving problems for the people that you're there to support. So with that, though, because we uh, we would probably get super amped up on all the like, yeah, it's (laughs) it's amazing. And it's so great. But the reality is this kind of stuff isn't just cool. So we just do it and then, bam, everything's fixed. Right. Because we did talk about, hey, there's some work. And Vinod asked a really good question. um, And I'd love your your insight on this, which is right. So so let's say somebody hears this and they go, yeah, okay, I get it. I need to I need to bring our stakeholders on board, you know, with an organization that may not be thinking this way so clearly and maybe going, wait, you want to move our talent around? It sounds like a lot of work and that's very different than the way we've done it in the past. How how do you articulate
1: the value? I think
0: people see it and they just go, oh, duh. Other people are like, I that just they haven't unlearned it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, this is the value is probably the most important conversation you have as you go to implement the inside gig. So let me share how we how we talk about the value, sure. the value of untapped, unmind talent is that the talent gold, your talent gold. Exactly. Is so when you implement the inside gig, you are allowing for talent sharing across BU and functional lines which have cost centers right so those cost centers are separate we have built entire organizations around constraints you have 50 people 50 hours and um you need to get this done right and 50 dollars, right just a joke around (laughs) right it's constraints and that's how we manage uh, finances once you start uh sharing talent across now i'm going to say BU lines or cost center lines, you're creating cost avoidance. Cost avoidance in many categories. One, you're tapping into existing capacity that you would have hired a contract for, you would have gone to the outside for, and you're you're leveraging that on the inside. So by default, you've now avoided costs, right? Um, yep. You are... At, also giving an opportunity for someone inside to contribute elsewhere. So your time to produce something or to handle a customer escalation has gone down. So you're saving money again. So time to revenue, time to innovation, right? Cost of hire. Um, And you start adding these things up. Um, And here, what we did in our first year was say, you know, people are donating 20% time, 10% time, you know, 50% time, and we're adding that up. Um, And once you add that up on an average FTE fully loaded cost, so what is for us, if it's 200,000, which is a fully loaded FTE, if you're saving, you know, 30%, 10%, you add that up, it's a math uh, equation of cost avoidance. And that's not even factoring all the other costs (laughs) but it's an easy way to show the value so if your average implementation for an inside gig let's just say the technology costs you 200k if the fully load for year per year if the fully loaded cost of, of an fte is 200k you just save from one one fully loaded fte of talent sharing, you've already paid yep. for the platform. Now, if you save over a hundred, right, your ROI is exponential.
0: Okay. Well, and I think that's—it's just breaking down that math to that point mm-hmm. of being able to showcase that. Hey, this is—and again, it's—I I see this in a lot of different areas where sometimes we just take for granted how much money we spend on some of these things that we say if we just simply. Reduce the spend through things like this. I mean, it's it's significant. It's not yeah. it's not oh you know a few thousand dollars. We're talking hundreds,
1: millions, million, of millions,
0: of dollars. dollars yeah, large
1: yeah. for large turnover for people, right? Turnover is a huge expense for a company um, to actually rehire those people back. And when why is the when well, the number one reason why people are leaving? is they're not having access to career development opportunity. And it's not people go, oh, we're not paying them enough. Oh, we didn't promote them fast enough. Not necessarily. What we're finding is that uh, people want learning. They want to be growing. And so when I said progression versus promotion, if we have a way in the jungle gym career methodology that we can actually tie pay to progressing on skills. So you're learning skills that are important to us as a company. We're going to pay you more for doing that. And we're going to make sure you're incented to do that. Okay. And so that's a way that even though th- we're not moving up traditional ladders, I can actually earn more pay by just yeah. maintaining my by market. Contributing. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think that's, and that's actually where I want to go next with this. But I think, right, you look at that's you, you talked about this cost avoidance is is scratching the surface. And it is it's it's only scratching the surface in the in the returns that you can get in this kind of stuff. Because, again, when you think about employee engagement and employee utilization and even just culture stuff, right, these these actually can feel like squishy metrics, but they really aren't. And the data is out there showing that this stuff is not. This is not stuff that doesn't have an impact on earnings per share or, you know, annual revenue, you know, things like that. And so while it can be harder sometimes to quantify that, I think it's important that, you know, a lot of your workforce is struggling and they have so much more potential, but historically we haven't had really good ways to do anything with it, right? Sometimes we've said, well, you need to own your own development. I mean, okay, but like, what does that mean? What does that look like?
1: We have to provide the tools though for people we have to provide the environment. And I think, you know, I'm also a board director and one of the, you mentioned metrics, one of the metrics that we talk about in the boardroom for productivity is revenue per head. And actually I've been working on with some university students on a, a very different metric for workforce productivity. Um, that is more modern. It has different inputs at, because revenue per head is, is really, uh, it, it's too constrained, right? For where we're going as a modern enterprise, the fact that we're dealing with automation and other disruptions, the fact that we have to be more uh, diverse and uh, equal and inclusive, um, and the fact that board of directors are asking for what we call ESG, metrics, environmental, social governance metrics. And so we have to modernize our way. We measure the success of an organization. And I think one of the number one things is how well you are leveraging the talent gold in your organization. And, you know, CEOs are going to be on the spot in the very near future to the board and saying how well they're leveraging their skills supply chain. What are you doing to ensure that we have the right assets from talent? We talk about inventory all the time, right? And product. But now it's going to be how well are you managing this talent asset that we are sitting on and forecasting what we need in the future so we don't get behind on our own competitive uh, ability? So I think this is something what we're gonna see. I know I'm working on it. I'm sure there's other very smart people working on what will that new workforce productivity metric be?
0: Okay, well, and for people in the learning industry, I think you know one of the things that sometimes some of these topics and, and one of the reasons I have you know things outside of just the traditional learning tech on is we need to start thinking beyond just learning and development. But the connection to this is, this is actually feeding to our function Kind of so, okay, so then how do we grow or how do we develop these things? Because now we have visibility into, and this is always the challenge for us is, hey, we need to have more development. And it's like, on what? What do we need to develop on and, and where should we be focusing our lens? This then informs that decision. So instead of creating experiences, designing content that's not necessarily adding any value, it's actually tied to something we know is adding value. Now, the one other thing I want to jump back to because you talked about this from an internal gig economy and and Vinod asked this question, you know, so one of the incentives to to this kind of thing is, is giving people opportunity to be able to grow without necessarily having to follow the traditional promotion chain. But at the same time, you're talking about crossing BU lines. And in organizations, you know, you've got you've got budgets, you've got other things. So how do organizations that are doing this well, How are they managing that from a financial situation so that instead of the, because this is the model that I've seen, just it works for a little bit. And then people start getting, I think, annoyed where it's like, hey, here's this special project. We're going to keep taking more from you, asking you to do more things, but there's really nothing in it for you. Like you get to go do more work for us we you know, thanks. That will give you a nice little pat on the back. And the goal of this is to yeah. go beyond that and say, no, there's actual benefit to the employee as well. This isn't just for the organization to squeeze more out of their employees. No,
1: stuff. no, the very, very important distinction that I want to yeah. make, right, is that, you know, we look at Hitch as the people's platform. This is their marketplace. It's their place to where we, the company, is transparent about the work. And the opportunities for work uh the but it's the opportunities to learn and contribute and interact and participate and everything you would expect it's it's connecting buyers and sellers right and the buyers are the talent right they're they're deciding what they want to to participate in so the with them for what's in it for me Right for the employee is the opportunity to learn and grow, which I said is the one of the number one things that people are missing. Now, on the other side, remember how I said we had to disrupt pay incentives, performance, all these other things. We need to, uh, in order to hook people into ensuring their relevance and marketability as automation takes over, we need to incent them by saying, here are the five skill domains that are most important for for our company. And if you're willing, John and Mary and Sue, to learn these skills, right, you're going to be not only more relevant to us, but you're going to be more relevant on the market. And let me show you why you could also be a data scientist or why you could also do this. And if you participate and you... You get involved and you learn these skills we're we're going to pay more for that right and we're going to ensure your ongoing relevance in this organization so and by the way i'm, I'm mentioning technical skills there's also a lot of soft skills yes. that i tell my college student like who said you know i'm going to study accounting uh you know and and then we had a discussion about accounting accounting is really important if you go into finance but there's a lot that's getting automated there so understanding but part of it is he needs to understand what's getting automated how it's getting automated right. so we need to unveil that for people and and share how to be marketable
0: okay well and I think that's that's just it right is it's bigger than just, and we talked about this before we went live. Is for organizations, it's not just about oh, let's go buy this platform, and this platform will magically solve all of our problems. Because there are all these other components that that are connected to it to actually bring it to life. So with that, you know, as as you look at some organizations, the, as you start moving down this, or even when you implemented this here, what were some of the things that you know served as maybe not roadblocks, but speed bumps that organization yeah. where it's like, all right, we're in, let's do it. And then the rubber hits the road and suddenly people go, okay, this is maybe more work than I thought. What, what are some of those things?
1: Well, there's a lot there. So I'm going to break it down into two yeah. things. So there um, I want to ensure that everybody hears that actually you don't have to have all your pr- process worked out before you implement this technology. The technology is actually a catalyst, uh, to make the changes that I've been talking about. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it is not, uh, I have to fix skills based pay and all these no. other things before I can implement. Um, the number one roadblock to, uh, this new way of working is leadership mindset. It is the number one. And I'll tell you, this is why you do have to break incentives and other things as you move through the chain. Your job is to communicate to leaders what's in it for them. And I'll tell you in my book, I talk about you get what you give a whole chapter on it, right? This, this this nature, it's almost even in the law of economics, right? And the three laws of economics, one is that it it needs to be perceived as good for the individual, right? That is is buying. And so for the leaders, the idea that instead of owning the 50 people that you gave them, because they all grew up in these very, very much about constraints, we built our finances on it, on constraints, is this idea, of abundance, not scarcity. That actually, you don't need to own your 50 people, you need to tap the 10,000 in the organization. And, and suddenly when that light bulb goes off, oh wow, I can tap the whole company instead of just being constrained to my 50 people, uh, suddenly the the world opens up for them. And I'll tell you, for the organizations that I'm now working with that are implementing this way of working, that are getting past this leader mindset issue beat through this, you get what you give now have this opportunity. They've turned on this technology to start innovating on pay performance, learning all these other things. So it is, it is totally something you can get past, but is the number one thing that you run into because people go, I want to hoard my talent, <laughs> right? That's like, that's yeah. immediately.
0: Oh yeah, back. talent hoarding is a is a huge limiting factor. But exactly. I like your point about right flipping, helping people flip that mindset from well, I only have fifty people, and if my fifty people are spending twenty percent of their time on other things, that that's less than I can have. Versus saying no, don't think yeah. about it that way. You're, you're what thinking do you think
1: about eighty percent that. So if they're giving twenty percent of their time, let's say what do you think actually happens with the 80%? This is the the big misnomer as people go, Oh, well, I'm going to get they're going to drop balls and they're not going to produce and actually quite the opposite. What happens is that they're energized so much in the 80% that what you actually get net net in the 80 is is that 100%, maybe even more than you were getting before. Because if you look at the engagement metrics on a global basis, right, let's just say what the World Economic Forum and Gallup and all these guys that are talking about it, people are bringing 60% of themselves to work every day. They're leaving 40% on the table. So if you add up 40% of a 10,000 person company, that's a heck of a lot of capacity that's not tapped. Now, why do people say they're busy? Why do they go, "Oh, I'm too busy"? Right? Sometimes they are. They are legitimately busy. Sometimes they're not engaged, and they're busy. Yes. Right. But if they you just don't act- want
0: more of the same, that they're not engaged in.
1: No. And take take a page out of Reed Hastings' book from Netflix. Is and Patty McCord um, is that when you treat people like adults, right? and you let them, quote, roam about the country, right, by making all this work transparent, you get exponential reward out of that. People yeah. do not go, get up out of bed every day and go, how can I screw up today? How can I contribute no. less today? Nobody does that, Nobody, no, no human being really does that. So if you actually say, "Hmm, I know it feels like I need to control everything, But if I usurp some of that control, if I let people be self-driven, self-directed, I create the guardrails and the frameworks, but I let them participate in an open marketplace, I actually will end up uh doubling my productivity yeah you end up
0: with more right you're not and that's the important point is you're not giving up 20 percent. you're not no. you're actually getting more of the whole person by better enabling them and i think the other thing you hit on that's important is what this does is it gives those guardrails right it's those guardrails because you can't just say hey everybody go do your thing Right. That's not, and actually, I don't think people even really want that because they kind of want to know like, but for what, like for where, how can I, people struggle with that. And what this does is this gives them the framework to say, okay, Hey, we're empowering you. We're empowering you within these guardrails, but it's for purpose. It's for benefit. It's for your, it's for your overall good. And I think that's where flipping that mindset, it's not easy, but I think once people get it, like you said, the light bulb moment goes on. And 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 it's
1: like children, for all the parents out there, you know, (laughs) we learned that children actually like having some rules. They won't tell you that, but it feels really safe. So as long as you create the safety of knowing what the rules are and that you give me the tools to find my way, participate. And I can make myself successful. You teach me how to learn, unlearn, relearn in the flow of work. Um, and then I will give you company the best of me. Right. Yes. And I think we we've we've gotten the, the, the yellow toddler toy was. <laughs> That we 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 tried to create uh, from sometimes the industrial revolution 1.0 type of management methodology that we need to control everything. It needs to be driven by hierarchy. The command and control will work. Was this thing that we kept trying to push and we it's, it's breaking it. people. It is going to break. You cannot manage people that way anymore. No. Not the way that the world is working. I think COVID was a great equalizer, right? Uh, just to bring in something relevant, right? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we all got thrown in the deep end of the pool at the same time. So, right. for all the people going, that future of work stuff is for everybody else to try, like Mikey we'll it, eating okay. my cereal. We're not you know? there. Yeah. We'll wait and see if Mikey likes it and he doesn't die, and then I'll eat my cereal. It's like <laughs> we, we, we said, that's for everybody else to try. And yep. then we found ourselves going, hmm, we survived. We survived not being in offices, we, we survived having to use all these tools and and now it's going to be um the willingness to because we had to write with our left hand for the last several months
0: we were forced to. we didn't really have a choice
1: we had to and now it's like huh okay well we we did something totally different and it worked um so now what should we go back to the way it was should we now that we did this experiment, should we actually try to incorporate some new things? And I think that the challenge now for all of us will be, how do we create learning and culture, create culture uh, and connectedness when we're now all remote? And maybe we do not all go back to offices. So technology will be a the lifeboat in a lot of ways to, and access to deliver some of the things in HR we've been talking about for a long time, you know, uh, experience, the experience of the employee, the yep. personalized digitized experience. So it's like, there's a lot of opportunity for us right now. There
0: is. there is, And I think this is, that's one of the biggest things. You, you look at what happened in 2020 and it didn't it didn't create something that wasn't there before you know the the folks that have been kind of staying t- in tune with it this has been coming for a long time i think we've been kind of trying to push it in the closet and shut the door right. and be like just here throw another debt bolt on it and it just kind of hit a tipping point and then COVID hit and cut the lock and it just boom right we no longer had a choice so i think that's that is kind of where we all are and i think you know the point you brought up earlier about while technology isn't the solution, you also don't have to fix everything first to do some of this stuff is an important point, even with what you look at with where we're at now with COVID, where it's like, look, some of us had to kind of force some new things in and bring in some new tech to get things started. I think the point that's important to remember with that, though, is that's not where you stop, right? You don't just stop with, well, now, now we have it, So what, we just kind of leave it and it does its thing. It's like, no, you keep. And I think that's what, when you look at what happened in 2020, that's what we need to do moving into 2020 and beyond to say, okay, we were forced to do a bunch of things we were not in our minds ready to do. And we had no choice. We kind of rushed, we kind of brought some new things in. Now, how do we learn from that? Unlearn what we, what we don't need to use and then just keep reimagining and keep growing that forward. And I think that's where, you know, when what you're talking about and the capability of the tech can do, you bring it in, it can be the catalyst to start some of these things to show, Hey, wow, we weren't thinking about this. Hey, wow, this is something we maybe need to dump. It's about taking that next step and continuing that progress to really get the most out of the tech.
1: That's right. That's right. And sometimes, uh, you know, the the trying something new, and I, I definitely recommend, you know, when we implement our technology, we start with a phase one, right, phase one is to create uh, the talent sharing in two divisions that that have the most likelihood to share talent, right. And it creates the the viral effect of of this taking off, because I think when the other leaders see that the two leaders of those divisions were tapping so much capacity, their people are happy, they're, they're like they want in now, <laughs> right? So uh, for those of us that are the ones leading this effort uh, from human resources or employee experience um, or L&D, it is a beautiful thing to watch right? Um, Because it's not it's not something you have to force, you don't have to take the triangle and force it into the square for once, you actually can watch this go viral, um, see what what your hypotheses were come for me, it was the most beautiful part of the whole thing, right. And, and and actually, the most beautiful part of it was not that the company uh, tapped so much capacity per se, but at a very human level. To feel like people were getting driven towards their passions, their interests, where they felt like they were contributing and being productive—that's the legacy I feel like I leave behind in my career as a chro. Um, it's changing the world of work, and it's amazing. It's really fun.
0: <laughs> I love that, right? You know, like here we'll we'll end on a high note. It's like that, right? Like that's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so change the world. Yeah.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and I think that's that's exactly what we're getting at. And again, is technology the solution to everything? No, that's not the way you think about it. But can technology be an enabler to allow you to do some of this stuff at a scale Absolutely. and capability that just was physically impossible you just there was no way you could do it and I think that's the most exciting part it's why I'm such an advocate for technologies not that it's taking things over but it's actually enabling us to do things for the betterment of people and organizations right it's no longer in us versus them it's a hey we can we can do it both so with that, I don't want to open another can of worms because we did Mm -hmm. end on a high note. So I don't want to, I don't want to jinx that. So we'll, we'll wrap it up. This has been awesome, Kelly. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation that we've had a great turnout for this. Hopefully everybody watching really enjoyed this and got something out of it and is encouraged about what the future of work can look like and how technology plays a key role in it. So have a wonderful rest of your Friday, Kelly. Thank you for joining me. Thank
1: you. Thanks for listening, everybody.